ladies. Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm so excited today. My guest is Sarah Sanchez. Did I say that right? Yes. Do you go by your middle name or no? I go by Sarah Slick D. Sanchez most of the time. Okay. Sarah Sanchez. She is a fellow podcaster. I'm glad to be able to say that. She's an author, a speaker. Her podcast is Lime Voice, and it's designed to educate, inspire, and encourage people who are battling chronic illness due to Lyme disease. She also has a short film out called Disappearing from Society. She's also an author of Little 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 Bite Bite, Big Big Trouble. Trouble. And it depicts life with chronic Lyme disease as seen through the eyes of her. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm so honored and happy to be on your podcast. I am already a fan. Well, you're truly a fearless female in my eyes. I've already heard Sarah's story and you guys will be baffled and like also would want to desperately help someone who's dealing with Lyme disease. So, Sarah, let's go ahead and tell everybody how it all began for you. How it all began. Okay. So, a lot of people don't know Lyme can be tra- Lyme disease can be transmitted through they're now saying ticks and fleas and different things, but it's primarily transmitted through ticks. So, as we all know, birds and ticks cross state lines all the time. I have deer in my yard every day, but in general, it's it's very much a widely unrecognized disease unless you know of a family or unless your family, in a sense, has been afflicted by it. And so for me, my struggle, I was an athlete my whole life. I played varsity sports all of high school, and my senior year, I was out on a camping trip in Jemez, New Mexico, and I live in the desert, so I have never, had never even seen a tick. Like, when I moved to Colorado at the age of, like, 38, I had still never seen a tick in New Mexico. But they're out there. And <laughs> when I was 18, I was on a camping trip with friends and got bit. And when you get bit and you're infected with Lyme disease, it creates this, like, rash on your skin that kind of looks like a bullseye. Like, it has a really dark center, and you can Google image it. Back in 1996, when I got bit, there was no such thing as Google Images. <laughs> but yeah. that was really helpful. <laughs> so you couldn't compare it to anything. Yeah. And we, as far as I remember, we went to the doctor and we were told it was an infected spider bite. I don't remember being on antibiotics or anything, but I had this huge oozing sore on my like upper left thigh for the last like six weeks of my senior year. And that, during that period, ran a really high fever, actually passed out, just started having a lot of chronic migraines and all of a sudden just couldn't breathe very well. Like doing sports, I still, even though I was in college, I wasn't playing college ball or anything, but I would still play recreational and co-ed with my girlfriends and stuff. And I just could never breathe and it never made sense. So when you were going through all of these symptoms, Did you think like, oh, maybe you ate something or maybe you're on your period or were were you like, I need to go to the doctor to figure this out or? Yes. Okay. So you bring up a fascinating point. And I was just telling my husband this. At the time, I really believed I was just out of shape because I'd come out of high school where I exercised five days a week, typically, because I played sports year round and then wasn't. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm just out of shape. And this is what it's like to be an adult, which was <laughs> You're 19. Yes. I 18. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what happened. And this blows my mind. I was just telling my husband this weekend, the very first time I went to the doctor and I was telling him like, 
something is just not right. Like I just have fatigue. I can't breathe when I'm like walking upstairs or like trying to exert myself. Like I'm sucking wind. Like I have asthma or something and I've been in really good shape my whole life. I just don't understand. And I remember explaining to him like, gosh, even walking into like a clothing store, the weight of my purse hurts my arm. Okay. And this is fascinating. He begins to tell me how I should carry my purse on the other arm. (laughs) How I should maybe carry a smaller purse. And at the time I was like, okay, uh, I guess. But he never addressed the fact that no, something is very wrong. You should, this thing that you've been able to do your whole life, carry a purse, yeah. you can no longer do. And that is unfortunately the reality of like Western medicine, medicine in America and Obamacare is it's very limited on even if they can, as far as chronic illnesses, if they cannot tell you what it's wrong, like, hey, you have cancer or AIDS, which is what they kept trying to figure out for me, then they will in a sense, tell you that what you're dealing with is not really there. And that's what I dealt with for over a decade was they just dismissed you over and over and over again. I was dismissed or told it wasn't that big a deal. I was told it was all in my head. And honestly, I believed it to some extent because you internalize things and you start to just think, well, maybe I'm a wuss. Maybe I'm being lazy. Like, you know, it just, yeah. The fatigue, if you've ever dealt with chronic fatigue, I say in the documentary, and it's on linevoice.com, it's just called Disappearing from Society, but I say in there, it was pain and fatigue that never made sense. Yeah. So if you, you, have- you look normal. Like when I was watching that Disappearing from Society, I think the, the one girl, um, the beautiful girl that she was in college, she looked like a normal girl. Like from the outside, it doesn't look like she's in pain. It doesn't look like she's suffering, but that's something that only you guys can describe. Like there's nothing that we can say, yeah, this is, you know, the redness in your joints or something like it. You can't see it. It is. I was just having this conversation with my doctor because I'm actually, I went through getting treated for chronic Lyme disease in 20, finally got diagnosed after 17 years, went through treatment in 2013. And then I actually was reinfected last year in 2018 and have not been able to get it treated accurately. So I'm actually living in Arizona for two months, going back through a Lyme treatment clinic called Invita Medical. And they're phenomenal. They literally saved my life the first time. But they don't, I was telling my doctor that. I said, you know what? If this time, this infection of Lyme disease has hit my body a lot differently. And so I'm losing my hair and having a lot of issues with my internal organs. And so that's why I came out for treatment. And I told him, I said, and I made a conscious choice because I've been at this for a lot of years and we advocate full time for Lyme disease and have our podcast. That's how we make a living. So like we're, we're kind of all in both my husband and I at this point. And I said, I did not, as I'm losing my hair and I'd been wearing a wig for several months at this point, I said, I made the conscious choice to not shave my head like bald. Cause that's yeah. where I'm kind of at was I'm, I've lost at least half of my hair and I'm going to lose more as I'm finishing treatment. But I did this like really short style cut instead. And I did it on purpose because I said, I don't want to look like a victim. I'm, I've been at this a long time, but he said, that's the blessing and the curse of Lyme disease. I said, if I did shave my head, the reaction I would get from people who have been watching me be sick for years would be very different. Yeah. We do not have Lyme disease as much like AIDS in the eighties and nineties where it's not covered by insurance 
And so that means you have to fight and pay for care. It means a lot of the care is experimental and or alternative treatments. And so it is this weird, it's this weird alternate reality where you are very, very sick and your needs are off the charts. And in a sense, you're living with these torturous symptoms and yet it's not recognized. And so in a sense, it doesn't matter. Like, and when you have chronic fatigue, it's very different than, hey, I'm battling cancer. Yeah. There's just a different social dynamic to it. And so it's interesting times, to say the least. (laughs) Well, I I had asked you when we had talked, and, you know, I was watching commercial, actually, that dogs have medication for getting bit by a tick. Right. And I'm just kind of like, why is there medication for a dog, but there isn't a medication for us as humans? And why isn't it not recognized by doctors as it being a disease rather than they just like, you know, diminish what you're feeling and kind of discard you as like, oh, she's just making it up or she might have Munchausen disease or she's just like needs attention, you know, when really you are suffering. I mean, I watched that disappearing from society video. I mean, and your legs are clearly shaking and the other, you know, people that were featured in that film, they are clearly in pain. Like, oh my gosh, cannot, right? like they're di- like disabled. So how can a doctor look at a patient clearly has some symptoms that are visible to the eye? How could he just turn you away? Like, I just don't understand that. Yeah, you bring up a fascinating point. So there is a very short clip in that documentary of a like pseudo seizure that I was having. And at first they had kind of said, oh, we think you have MS or Parkinson's because I was having these extremely painful, excruciating seizures. And so that exact video I had on my cell phone, we got an emergency appointment with a neurologist because I was going downhill so fast. And that was one of literally like almost 100 symptoms. I couldn't control my bowels. I couldn't control my body temperature. I needed help getting to the bathroom. I couldn't swallow. I was struggling to write, speak, everything. Like I couldn't walk, use some of my hands. Everything was like coming apart. And I had video of that seizure. I get this emergency appointment to see this neurologist. And he tells me, you are causing this by anxiety. Like I had told him one of my seizures happened at three in the morning and I had been asleep. And so I, and he said, you're causing this through anxiety attack and literally sent me home. I'm like, I am not going to live another few hours. I've been at Mm -hmm. this for years. And a friend of mine, who's a physician, he said, Sarah, he probably will not ever watch your video. And it was just so dumbfounding to me. Cause I mean, at that point I was probably on 12 or 15 medications, some for pain, some to manage the tremors and seizures, some to, you know, mitigate everything. And yet we, you do see commercials on television every single day for dogs. And I know you can go in and get your dog treated. It's about a hundred bucks to go in and get them tested, get the antibiotics and come home. And the reality is that in this case with Lyme disease, it's very political and our insurance companies, as soon as the CDC, the Centers for Disease The CDC says that, yes, this is real and these are the numbers because it's ridiculous the way things are politicized. Like if you look on the CDC website right now, last time I looked at it a few months ago, like Zika virus was on the top of their list. Like 1,200 or 1,500 people had been infected with Zika virus. Yeah, that's like like a tiny number. (laughs) 
I know. They claim that 300,000 people a year are infected with Lyme disease, and we know that that is completely ridiculous because even my case, which is well documented, I was on disability for eight years. I have mm-hmm. a, I had almost a thousand pieces of paperwork that went to my disability case. It has cost us a fortune. Literally, we sold our house. We it has just cost us a fortune, and. I don't count. My case doesn't count because it doesn't meet their guidelines. So the fact that this has controlled 22 years of our life doesn't count because it doesn't meet their standards. But that's very political and strategic. They don't want to actually know the real numbers because when they do, they're going to have to cover it. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like AIDS. AIDS was not covered and people were driving to Mexico in the 90s to get medication And that's what's happening now is people are selling their homes and doing whatever they have to do to get effective treatment to save the life of the people they care about. And yet we know that it's not that big of a deal. The other reality is, is if you get it right away, you can easily treat it with some antibiotics for a few hundred dollars. If it goes into a chronic stage, which impacts your neurological system, it's just really, really difficult to treat. But I had the experience in 2018. I had a tick bite. It had a bullseye rash. Mm -hmm. And I went into the ER and I was told more than one time that there is no such thing as Lyme disease in Colorado. So therefore, it could not be Lyme disease. And I was not given 30 days of antibiotics. Wow. So it could be prevented, but our physicians are being trained and indoctrinated into saying, hey, there's no such thing as Lyme disease here in Colorado because they don't want that to impact tourism and so many things. So it's an easy fix if there's, if we remove the indoctrination and that's going to take, I don't know. I don't know how long that's going to take. A miracle. Yeah. (laughs) Our whole medical system, you know, needs, needs a lot of work when it comes to chronic conditions, but Lyme disease specifically is in the forefront. And then there's a ton of people with Hashimoto's and chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. And that was my original diagnosis was fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And yet most of the time, and it took me a long time to learn this, like even the doctors that I was seeing who are mostly traditional Western medicine, all they had to offer me was a medication. Right. A simple antibiotic. (laughs) Well, but even like after that point had happened, like when I, when I was in chronic pain and so many people experienced this, I mean, there were I think the statistics for chronic illness are close to 60% now. 60% of Americans are living with some type of a chronic illness. And that's whether it's diabetes, type 1 or type 2, but all these long-term chronic illnesses. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Big deal. And, And it's costing us a fortune. And yet when you go to your doctor, if you're not seeing like a naturopath or a holistic practitioner on some level, The only, even if they know what's wrong, the only thing they have to offer you is an antibiotic or a medication. And the reality is, is those are Band-Aid fixes for chronic illnesses. They work great for an acute illness. Obviously, if you have a broken bone, America is the place to be. If you have a heart attack, our medical system is going to take care of you. If you have chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or Hashimoto, oh man, you're in for a wild journey of, of denial and neglect. (laughs) It's sad. It's sad because today, I mean, we're in 2019. How can we have not figured out a antibiotic 
for or like you know like when you get bit by a spider and they can take the poison out or by a snake and they could take the poison out how could they not take the poison that the tick infects your body with i don't understand that okay well you bring up an- another really good point <laughs> that we hadn't, hadn't discussed but and i i don't necessarily have an opinion on this honestly i've been trying to fight and survive and do my thing and so i haven't engaged on the political realm but it's believed by a vast majority of people and there seems to be proof of it that the Lyme disease that we are all dealing with nowadays is actually genetically modified so in at the end of World War II apparently America paid a lot of the scientists over in Germany to come here and set up on Plum Island they were working specifically on tick-borne illnesses that could annihilate communities without shooting any bullets. So Plum Island is very, very near Lyme, Connecticut, which was the Lyme epicenter back in the 80s, even in the 70s. So 70s, 80s, and 90s, anyone in Lyme, Connecticut knows they have Lyme right away, just goes and gets on antibiotics. So the reality, and I asked my doctor this week, I said, is the Lyme, because there's documentation of even the Native American communities, like back in the early 1900s and late 1800s talking about Lyme disease. They called it something different, but they talked about the ticks that would be on the tall grass and that people would be fatigued for months on end. And he said, no, absolutely. It is completely mutating. We're dealing with a completely different illness and it's infiltrating people on a ton of levels. And then we have this huge component of the fact that Unless you eat all organic, we're all filled with antibiotics. Yeah, exactly. So we all have stuff that we're dealing with in our bodies that prevent certain things. Some is good and some is bad. But there is a lot. I mean, there's there's a reason that so many people have cancer nowadays. I mean, the statistics yeah. for men is like two out of three men will end up with cancer yeah. after the age of 60. Why, why is that, right? Mm. Because there's a lot of things that are being um, approved that should not be approved by the FDA. (laughs) I believe. (laughs) I think there's a lot of it has to be driven with money. And like you said, politics, and they forget that, you know, they're influencing human beings and, and it's just a sad state. And I'm sorry that you've been living like this. So my question to you is at any point in your journey of having Lyme disease, did you ever feel like giving up? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. All the time, all the time, I wanted to give up. I had, when I was really sick originally, I had three little kids. I owned a real estate brokerage, so I worked part-time from home and did little kid stuff and just struggled to walk up the stairs or carry a laundry basket or, you know, eventually, like, I couldn't even hold up a blow dryer. And, I mean, it, it comes in phases where you I think you relinquish, you modify your life. You're like, okay, if I just take a nap or if I just sit up on the couch with my feet, then I can get up. And so I think you modify your life to some extent, but I just kept thinking like, I want to leave a legacy and I don't, and this is not the legacy I wanted to leave. I don't want my kids to see me in bed. I don't, this is not even who I am. I don't even like to watch TV. (laughs) I don't want to be watching TV. And yet I I got to this point where that's all I could do. Like I eventually lost a lot of cognitive function because it does impact your neurological system and you have a lot of brain fog and just cognitive dysfunction. And so I remember just deciding, 
okay, if I have to be in bed, then I'm going to learn something. And at that point, I started watching all of the health documentaries that I could find because I was kind of struggling to read at that point. But I just thought, I'm going to just learn. Okay. And I remember thinking like, there's a ton of documentaries on Netflix about health and juicing and organic foods that I kind of thought that was not the background I grew up in. And I kind of thought they were like extremists and just started watching them and then reading the books that were associated with them. And now I believe the complete opposite. (laughs) (laughs) These are the people who are speaking the truth. Yeah. And that's why I love documentaries. And that's why I wanted to do that one. And I cannot wait to do another one because I really believe, I mean, I know documentaries can be tainted. Everything can be tainted. Statistics, test results. If you don't think things can be skewed with, (laughs) they can all be tainted. And so I think within that, it's just those like ongoing choices. And, And a lot of it, sometimes I didn't know what to do. And my mom would always say like, do the next right one thing. Yeah. For sometimes that meant, okay, I don't know what to do, but I'm, so I'm just going to do the dishes so the kitchen is clean. And then sometimes that meant, okay, the best thing I can do for my family is to sit down and take a rest so that I can get back up in two hours. Yeah. And so it's just this kind of like ongoing, like consciously doing the best that you can do with what you have. And if you feel, for you guys listening, if you feel like, you might be dealing with this or you have seen doctors and something is not right. Stick with your gut. Oh my gosh. Because I feel like looking back, I gave away my power in not sticking with my gut. Cause I just didn't know mm-hmm. when you're, I remember like thinking when you're, when everyone around you is saying one thing, but you feel so different on the inside. Like I just remember thinking like, maybe I am crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I am making it up or I'm a wuss or something, but Yolanda Hadid is on, um, the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. yes, (laughs) That's in your territory. Yeah. I'm a big reality TV show, but I, I watched that season with her and when they were accusing her of having Munchausen's disease and that she was making it up. But I mean, as I was watching her story unfold on the show, I was like, why would anyone make this up? Right? Why would anyone put themselves through that many treatments? Like she lost her husband. She lost like, like everything I felt like. And why would she do that? Why would she have a closet full of medications? Like, I, I just don't understand. I, I know that you said she wrote a book called Believe Me. Yes, it's fantastic. And I'm just kind of like, I, I feel like horrible, like for her to have to have dealt with that, not just, you know, alone, like, but publicly, she had to deal with that publicly, because a lot of people were on like blog posts, and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, like just calling her names and, and making it seem as if she just wanted attention. But I just don't understand why somebody would want to put themselves in that position. I don't understand that. Well, and that's the thing. If you look at it logically, it's costing you a fortune. It's costing you your career. I mean, most people, if they have chronic Lyme and it hits their neurological system, are severely debilitated. And if you ever recover, you're looking at 10 years loss, 20 years loss. Like, it's just the the losses are unending emotionally, socially, financially, physically on so many levels. And so there is such a huge loss of dignity. Nobody wants that. Like there, I remember hearing Dr. Phil one time say something like, oh, well, to someone who is kind of like enabling someone, 
say something like, oh, well, what are you getting out of this? And I would think that like all the time, am I getting something out of being sick or canceling on people or, you know, yeah, missing never, out with your kids. I was never gaining. I always lost over and over again. There was no like secret reward hidden in the closet for me when I bailed on my kid's soccer game. Like, yeah, it's just guilt and sadness. Yeah. So, Actually, she's on that season for four years. And I it was so healing for me to go back and watch that because it was healing for me to see her ex- experience exactly what I had experienced because that's been phenomenally hard. So even though I went through treatment and figured out what was happening in 2013 and from that point forward is when I got my brain back and got out of a wheelchair and began to walk again. But like, it took me five years to be able to lift weights. I had so much atrophy and so much, like my body was just so broken. It took me five years to get to the point where I could exercise every day and lift weights without it kind of like sucking the life out of me. And that's just when you have chronic fatigue, that's the only way I know how to describe it. It's just this utter fatigue. And so there's not, there's not a reward with this illness. Like everyone is losing and that has to be kept in mind. And so it's, it becomes, we're, we're asking the wrong questions in a sense. We're saying like, Oh, what are, what are these people doing to put themselves back again in this situation? And what's been interesting, even having gone through it now in 2018 and now going through treatment again, I had a bullseye rash. I knew what it was. I could not get treatment. And you literally have to buy your way out of this illness. So, I mean, just depending on where you are socioeconomically, I had already spent $12,000 and I had not gotten antibiotics and no one was paying attention to me. And I knew what was going on. Yeah. Because I knew I was almost discredited. Yeah. Now, I had asked you this question before, but like, do you know what the name of the antibiotics was? And if, if there was any way you could just like go to a place like Mexico or Canada or, and just pick it up? Because obviously in America, they're not just issuing it to you. Or could you just say, I have this other thing that that antibiotic heals <laughs> in order to yeah. get it? Almost kind of like tricking the system, you know? You know what? That's another really good question because my sister said the same thing. They're like, just go in and lie. Just tell them whatever they need to hear to write you the antibiotics. I did actually fly out to Arizona and meet with my physician who I'd gone through treatment in Vita Medical. I had gone through treatment there. And so I got them to write me a prescription, but I had to fly to Arizona in order to do that because I wasn't a patient. So then you run into doctors can't write prescriptions over state lines. That was my issue was I had been in New Mexico and had established practitioners there, but I had moved to Colorado, did not have established practitioners, and it comes down to buying your way out of it. And so it's just not simple on any level. And so you do have to, in a sense, engage that fearless side of you and say, you know what, I am worth fighting for. And I am sticking to my gut. Something is wrong. And I talk to so many females because I do a lot of coaching calls for people who are going out to Invita Medical. The treatment program there is two to four months long. You live here full time. You're there Monday through Friday. So I do a lot of coaching with them. What's astounding to me is people of all walks of life from all over the world very well educated, and they have been sick for five, six, seven, ten, twelve years. 
Yeah. And they know it. They know something is wrong. And they're hearing the same story that I did. Like, well, maybe carry your purse on your left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, because that's going to solve it. <laughs> like, that's not even the right question. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. He should have never even said that. He should have been like, yeah, that's really jacked up. Let's figure out what's wrong with you. Yeah. Why don't we go to the doctor and figure this out? But even if you go to the doctor, they're not even acknowledging your symptoms. No, no, no. That was the doctor. Oh, that was the doctor. That was the doctor telling me I should carry my purse on the other arm. Wow. Yeah. My, <laughs> my husband knew there was something wrong. He could see it. And so, you know, it's, it super sucks. This whole journey super sucks. And online voice, which is our podcast, we are, I don't know, I don't know, 85 episodes in, and we've been doing it for four years. And we really just talk about the social and emotional side of things because the medical side is so different with each person and what insurance they have and, you know, yeah. what state they're in. But it's the social emotional stuff that just is, I think, the part that you have to, in a sense, fight the hardest on because it gets ignored. Like if you can at least get your medical needs met, then you can deal with the emotional stuff afterwards. But that's yeah. the part, even when you deal with the physical, there's so much trauma in losing your career, your homes, your dignity, you know, over yeah. many years. And so it's just this battle of choosing, okay, I have this illness and this illness has actually controlled every aspect of my life, but it still doesn't define me. It's not my identity. And that's a really hard balance for it not to become your identity. I am really proud of you. You truly are a fearless female. When I hear you say you just wanted to leave a legacy, knowing that you're out there, not just fighting for yourself, but fighting for everyone else who doesn't have a voice in Lyme disease, fighting for everyone who is like being told by the doctors that they are making it up or that they're causing it by themselves by having anxiety attacks. You are making a difference and you truly are leaving a legacy. And I'm so proud to have you on this podcast as a fearless female because you truly are one. Um, but as we wrap up this episode, I wanted to see what advice would you give to the fearless females out there that are just either at the beginning of their journey or in the middle of their journey of trying to figure out what this chronic, you know, disease is doing to their body. Like they still haven't figured it out or, or maybe they've already figured it out and they don't know where to turn or how to get support or I don't know, what would you give advice to these fearless females who are probably struggling with Lyme disease today? Yeah. Great question. So one of the things I took months to figure out, like if I could define what I wanted to do in three words, what would it be? And, you know, we say that the goal of every episode is to educate, inspire and encourage people. But that came through what I summed up as fight, heal, live. Mm -hmm. And so what we say over and over again is that fighting is a mindset. And if you go to lionvoice.com, you can see the 17 minute documentary disappearing from society. And we talk about that. I really believe I was physically unable to literally do so many things when I decided I am in a fight. And for me, I implemented this full juicing protocol. We sold our house to pay for treatment that we didn't know if it was going to work. But it started with that mindset to say, I'm worth fighting for. And so if you are struggling with a chronic illness, let me just tell you, it's going to cost you money to get out of it. And if you don't have access to the appropriate resources, start there and figure it out. Like, 
I, I talk to so many people who end up moving home for a few years because they can't heal the way they need to. Your body probably needs a ton of rest if you've had an underlying infection. Yeah. So fighting is a mindset for sure. But also that healing consists of choices. And I see people get stuck here all the time. Sometimes those choices are really simple, like pick up the phone and call the doctor or, okay, implement a new protocol or start seeing a naturopath so that you can start taking supplements. But it's easy to get paralyzed, especially when you're being told it's all in your head or it doesn't matter or that you don't matter or that it's not covered by insurance, right? Yeah. There's so many layers. And so... Just remember that your mindset has to come back to I am worth fighting for and that healing consists of choices. And this was a huge discrepancy for my husband and I because his, you know, I'm like, hey, let's spend hundreds of dollars a month on supplements. And his (laughs) background and blueprint didn't support that. His background and blueprint said supplements are expensive pee. You pee them out. They're not of value. (laughs) That's not the truth. But it took us a couple of years to figure that out, that he even believed that in a sense Mm -hmm. that he had a limiting belief about alternative medicine. And then that living is the outcome of those things. And sometimes you don't get the benefits of that stuff for years to come. But it's a worthy journey because without your health, oh my gosh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're it's it just impacts every area. And I just saw an advertisement for an insurance company and they were saying that healthy is the new wealthy. <laughs> and I was like, that's sad. Like yeah. that's the new norm. Like when my dad was growing up, like occasionally someone would get cancer in their seventies or eighties a year before they died, and now it's commonplace. Yeah. So just you are worth fighting for, and if something is wrong stick with your gut and keep fighting until you get answers and fighting. I don't mean in a vicious attack sort of way. I just mean, don't give your power away. Yeah. That's a good nugget of wisdom. Don't give your power away. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. This is your host, Paola Rosser. You can find Sarah on Facebook at Lime Voice, right? LimeVoice.com. Yep. And you can find her Disappearing from Society video. I I highly recommend you watch it. You can get her book on Amazon.com. Little Bite, Big Trouble. (laughs) And you can find me on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement. You can also find me on Instagram, at Paola Rosser. On Twitter, at Fearless Female 9. And tune in next week for another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.